Hi, you're listening to Becoming Whole podcast with Claire Bradshaw, where I explore with my guests what it means to lean into living a life of wholeness and connectedness, a life where all parts of ourselves, our body, mind and spirit come into alignment, where we're truly living into our own personal values. So if you're a seeker, a feeler or someone wanting more from your precious life, then tune in every fortnight and let's get inspired together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Becoming Whole Podcast with Claire Bradshaw. Today, it's my absolute pleasure to have the wonderful Julie Parker on the podcast with me. And so just a little bit about Julie. She held by, she's held by Elle Magazine as a self-help guru. She's the CEO and founder of the Beautiful You Coaching Academy, where she passionately trains and supports heart-centered people to bring their talents into the world as life coaches. She's the editor-in-chief of Inspired Coach Magazine, a published author, and an in-demand speaker. She's also inspired thousands of people on stage all over the world for clients including Apple, Telstra, and Earth Events. Julie is also a modern-day priestess. She's committed to contributing to a world where feminine qualities of intuition, presence, nurturing, and love sit comfortably within the realms of global, for-profit entrepreneurship. She also lives in Melbourne and with her husband and her stepdaughter and two much-loved adopted cats. So I've been reading Inspired Coaching Magazine for a number of years and absolutely love the the content and the love that Julie and her team put into it. Um, And I've followed her journey into the beautiful world of priestesses and goddesses. And I'm a keen listener to her priestess podcast. And a couple of uh, weeks ago, or maybe it was a month now, um, I had the pleasure of meeting Julie in person at the Soulpreneurs Conference in Brisbane. And wow, Julie is amazing in terms of everything that she's contributing to the world and she has such a beautiful spirit that I definitely capture, she captures on her podcast and in her writings. But to meet her in person was like something else. Um, She has such a great presence and is so centered and loving in person as well. So Julie, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Oh, Claire, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm absolutely really honoured and really looking forward to talking with you more. Fantastic. So I want to kind of go back a little bit of t- in time um, initially. So let's talk about how you really got into coaching and sort of what led you to the po- path of coaching because I understand that you were coaching before you set up your um, school for a number of years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's so important. You know, the teacher has to be the student before they can teach and the, the uh, you know, coach teacher definitely needs to be a coach before they start yeah. teaching other people how to coach. I think that's absolutely imperative. Well, I began my professional career actually as a counsellor and I worked in the mental health field, specifically with young people and their families for a really long time. And I absolutely loved that work. It was really wonderful and joyous, uh, at times very challenging and hard, but I loved it. I eventually got to a point where I decided that I really wanted to work with people around ways that they could consciously craft their life and 
coaching was the thing that seemed to really fit that for me. With counselling, the type of clients that I was working with, they were dealing with a lot of problems and issues. And I am very much a believer in the counselling and therapeutic process. But I decided and really felt drawn towards working with people that weren't so much working through issues and problems, but just had a deep desire to be uh, a more rich, wonderful, glorious human being and to really achieve their goals and live the sort of life they most wanted to live. And that's when I found coaching, which is 17 years ago this year, a very long time ago now. Yeah. yeah, very long time. And uh, when I did, it was like a whole new path and a whole new way of life lit up inside me. And I had my own uh, coaching practice, which was blessedly for me very successful for many, many years. And eventually that work led into me attracting a lot of coaches who came to me and wanted to know how I was working with people, what it was that I was doing that was, you know, getting so much success for me and for them. Um, How did I manage to have such a long wait list, speaking engagements, lots and lots of different things. Um, And that then eventually led into me starting the academy. And Uh, I just absolutely love the Beautiful You Coaching Academy and all the work and training that we do with coaches now around the world. It really lights me up and is a very special and important part of my life. Beautiful. Um, And I I just love the... um the, the way that you've um, kind of crafted the coaching school, it's such a representation of yourself and, the, you know, the vibe that you've created is such a, you know, a, a beautiful representation of, um, of, of love and, and um, togetherness, um, you know, seeing the images on um, Instagram and also all of the, uh, the events that you put on of this sense of community and women rising together, I think is just so beautiful oh well thank you so very much for saying that uh i really appreciate that because it is most definitely a huge part of what we're trying to do Mm, and it, it definitely comes across like that as well so um yeah Wonderful. Um, and let's talk about um, priestesses and the goddess path. So um, is this something that's quite new for you or have you actually been kind of working with priestesses and goddesses, that energy, for quite a while now? Well, I guess it really depends upon what you call new. <laughs> um, it's really been about five years or so now that I have been uh, really um, practicing as a priestess and embodying that archetype and way of being in the world and also working with the goddess as well. But really what I've come to learn and understand is that I actually come from a very long line of women who have been in spiritual service, which is a core role and path of the priestess for many, many years. And uh, so it's relatively new, but not really. (laughs) It's just, I think, that in more recent times, I've had the, the language and 
uh, the ability to be able to call that for what it is. Um, but it actually feels to me like it's something that's very ancient and uh, really old within my bones mm. rather than something that is new. Mm. Oh, interesting. So when you, when you were a child, were you quite connected to spirit then? Were you brought up in like a spiritual household as well? Or is it something that you've kind of found um, sort of later in life and then you kind of connected the dots from there? Yeah, it's really something that I came to later in life. Now, in saying that, I was raised in a Christian household. And so uh, that was always a part of my upbringing. But not when I say that, it certainly wasn't in any way that was very dominant or strict. You know, we went to church occasionally, not all the time. Um, and growing up in a country farming family, uh, the farm came first and the needs of that in relation, especially to if things such as there was bad weather or drought. And so things like going to church often had to go by the wayside, even though it was Sunday, because if you're dealing with a flood or some kind of emergency animal situation on a farm in the way that I grew up, well, then that takes priority. It comes first. Mm. And um, so there was certainly um, a religious and spiritual element to my upbringing, but I really didn't find uh, the path that I feel very called to until about five years ago. Mm, I see. Okay. And then did you, um, did you then find that... Uh, did you do some sort of um, uh, family tree or something like that where you then looked into sort of your grandparents and, and that type of thing to, to understand that spiritual connection? Well, I have done that and I am still exploring that, but I'm not so sure that it's necessarily told me anything about spiritual connection more that it has about my own cultural lineage mm. and what that actually has to do with uh, my spirituality and I think that for anyone that is called to walk a path as a priestess or wishes to work with the goddess or considers themselves a spiritual person on a spiritual path. And we are all that, Claire. We are all spiritual beings. Mm. It's just how much we choose to embrace that and have it as part of our lives. Uh, but doing that tree really helped me understand my own cultural lineage and getting a DNA test as well to understand my DNA breakdown and makeup. And I've very much found that I come from a Celtic lineage, um, very British, Irish, Welsh, Welsh, Scottish, um, which didn't necessarily come as any, you know, huge surprise to me. Mm. Um, and that has really influenced my spirituality enormously, particularly when it comes to working with the goddess, because I now feel very strongly drawn to learning more about Celtic goddesses and the Druidry and Celtic culture from which I come from as a spiritual person. And I feel so grounded and excited about that because I think sometimes what can happen when we're exploring a spiritual path is that we kind of take little bits and pieces of here and there 
And we don't question around whether something is really appropriate or suitable for us to use um, or to dive deeper into. And knowing our own cultural lineage and our ancestry helps us to be able to find that. Mm, interesting, interesting. And so how have you um, done that, like in terms of really exploring that particular lineage? Have you returned back to, you know, the UK and um, Wales, Scotland to explore some of those areas or have you delved into books or how mm. Well, I haven't, I mean, I have been to the UK before uh, and I certainly do wish to go back and look at lots of things there. But really, Claire, I've used modern online technology to help me do this. And for anyone that is interested, you can use websites like myheritage.com or ancestry.com. I must admit, I tried ancestry and I found it very, very hard to use. But my heritage, I found very easy to use. And that has just been revelatory for me. And I really encourage everyone, if you're interested in exploring this for yourself, to do that because. One of the things that people can often be shocked about and find out about their cultural lineage and their past is that sometimes the stories that we're told about our ancestors, even from well-meaning family members, might not necessarily always be true. You know, we know the old story that as things get passed down, sometimes stories get blown up sometimes little bits of information go missing all sorts of things and we can't necessarily if people aren't really alive and you know we've got deep connection to the truth around whether those things are accurate or not but when we actually do something like a dna test uh, and it gives us our genetic breakdown um, our cultural breakdown these things don't lie mm -hmm. and so people can find out the most fascinating things about themselves like my husband for example found out that he's 34 percent scandinavian um, he's a descendant of the vikings Oh, wow. And he had no idea about this until we did that. And his family, his dad and mum was like, what? Like, are you kidding? And we're like, nope, there it is, you know, in full test. And so there's so much technology and online wonder um, that can detract from our life, but then things like this are really wonderful and can add to it. Oh, for sure, for sure. You've really inspired me to um, to delve into um, this, you know, in a lot more detail. Um, and it's funny you should say that. Just a couple of months ago, um, I found out that my grandma, her surname was Guerrier, and Guerrier, the meaning of Guerrier is warrior. Oh, how nice. Juicy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is juicy. I love that for you. Uh, yeah, so I need to, like, yeah, have a little um, explore into that. And, yeah, there's a lot of mystery there as there is, um, I think, you know, in a lot of families. And I really like what you said about how, you know, if we, to, to, to just listen to the stories that we receive from down the line whilst, you know, that's great but yeah they can be maybe a little bit misinterpreted um, mm. so it's good to do the research ourselves beautiful so um i just want to 
get a little bit of a better understanding for myself and probably some of the um, people listening as well, what's the difference between a priestess and a goddess? Oh, that's a good question that a lot of people don't um, actually ask me. But there is a very, very significant difference between the two. Um, a priestess is a living, breathing woman. Uh, the role of the priestess is something that has been around since since ancient times, mm -hmm. since well before Christianity and well before any of us were certainly a twinkle um, in anyone's eye. And uh, ancient priestesses were actually handmaidens or servants of the goddess. So they're two very different things. The goddess was a, a, a spiritual, mythological entity uh, that has existed through all cultures uh, for all time in different ways. And once upon a time, goddesses, just like gods, were worshipped and honoured and loved and beloved uh, in so many different ways and for so many different qualities. There are goddesses of love, goddesses of the earth and the ocean and the trees and the wind. There are goddesses of death. There are warrior goddesses and they go by so many different names in different cultures. We have Artemis uh, and Athena from as Greek goddesses, Venus and Aphrodite as Roman goddesses. Uh, we have uh, so many. I mean, there are so many, Claire. There are literally thousands of goddesses mm -hmm. that were worshipped in different times and are still in certain religions today, such as Hindu, you know, with goddesses like such as Kali or Sarasvati, um, so many different, or Durga, so many different ones in Hindu culture that are still widely honoured today but goddess culture was something and goddess uh worship was something that was lost uh at the arrival and spread throughout the world of christianity and the patriarchy where one religion really came to dominate so much of our being and that one religion um honored and worshiped only one god the christian god and so all of the other god and goddesses were seen to be for you know um pagan worshippers and uh that culture and religion and way of life really went underground um in so many ways all was denied so priestesses in their connection to the goddess were women who were seen as spiritual leaders in their communities. And they were women who were seen to be able to commune with the goddess. They were her handmaidens. They, as goddesses of love or hunting or war or whatever it may be, that people looked up to them as somebody that was deeply connected to the goddess, just as somebody in the Catholic faith may look up to somebody who was a priest today or somebody in the Jewish faith may look up to as a rabbi today. Mm. 
that is what priestesses were and still are today in a different form. And so that even in itself gives you an indication and understanding how once upon a time, women in spirituality and religion were very, very powerful. Mm. Very, very powerful. Um, not as much today <laughs> in lots of very significant ways, but yes, absolutely. So that's the difference. Mm. A priestess is an on-the-ground living handmaiden and servant of the goddess and all that she stands for, all of her beauty, her richness, her strength, her power, and people would go to a priestess in various different forms for healing, guidance, counsel, uh, wisdom connection, support, faith um, in how they could be a, a better person and feel more connected to those beautiful energies of the goddess that they were trying to source. Mm. Oh, thank you so much for that really articulate um, definition of the difference because it, it is something that I've been kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure of the difference. So thank you for mm -hmm. that. Um, and so... With the priestesses, were they spread throughout the whole world? Well, that is another very good question. And I'm currently writing a book about the modern priestess that is going to contain, because uh, I think it has to contain, information about uh, the ancient priestess. And do you know what? I am finding that the answer to that question is pretty much yes. It's just that they were called by different names, okay? Uh -huh. And so we are aware without question, uh, research tells us that priestesses were alive and working and living and loving and breathing well in um, ancient uh, Greece, uh, Roman cultures, Indigenous cultures, mm -hmm. Balkan cultures, uh, the Celtic, so all throughout the UK, Norse cultures, so all throughout Scandinavia and African um, cultures as well. And so, uh, and South America, there's, you know, there's Egyptian priestesses, there's just, so I'm sure that there is potentially cultures where priestesses uh, maybe did not exist. But I have to say that if that was the case, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually did. It's just that they were potentially called by another name, not priestess. So, for example, in Norse culture, in Scandinavian culture, priestesses were known as volvers. Hmm. Okay. And um, in some other cultures, um, in certain Celtic tri uh, tribes, they were known as banduris. And so it may not necessarily be that they were called priestess, uh, but within certain cultures and countries and tribes and clans, um, they were female spiritual leaders. And so whether it was that they were called priestess or not, many of them did very similar things. They were healers and counsellors and guides and they were deeply connected and rooted to the cycles and seasons of the earth, mm. plant medicine, plant magic, uh, the moon mysteries, the blood mysteries, and so many other things. And so it's such a rich and beautiful and in interesting area to explore because I think it has so much to teach us about modern women today. 
For sure, for sure. And so you said it about five years ago, you were sort of stepping much more into this place of working with the goddess, stepping into your role as priestess. So what kind of led you to that point? Did something happen, um, significant thing happen in your life to lead you there? Or was it a gradual thing? You know, nothing in particular happened except it seems like such a small thing when I tell this story, but it's the truth. And so, of course, we almost must always must express our truth. I did not have any kind of dark night of the soul moment or experience or anything like that that led me um, into really claiming my role as a priestess in modern form. I was actually interviewing a woman for Inspired Coach magazine and I asked her a question which was, what did she feel had been some of the greatest studies and learnings she had undertaken in her life that had contributed to her life and business success? And she simply answered that question with one of the things being that she had undertaken uh, a remembrance path and training as a priestess. And when she said that word, Claire, I had an embodied experience. Oh, wow. Like instantly. As soon as she said that word, I was like, what? Mm. Like it just hit me in the heart and the belly and the gut and right down in my sacral area as well. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was professional and I continued the interview and I didn't sort of allow it to all become about me. But at the end of the interview when we pressed stop on the recording, I said to her, can you please tell me a bit more about this? Because when you said that, I was just like, just something inside of me just lit up in some way. And she gave me a couple of suggestions. And then suddenly I found myself on the internet and reading books and just down this beautiful rabbit hole, Alice in Wonderland like, of exploring this world of the priestess for myself and very, very quickly realising that I was one. It's just that I had never known that. And when I looked at all of the work that I'd done in my own spiritual path, my roles as a counsellor and a coach, the lineage of women that I'd come from that had been in such deep service to their own communities in so many ways for so many years and generations, I realised that I was a priestess. It's just that I had never actually known or had the word and the terminology and the meaning behind it to know that that's who I was and what I was doing. Wow. That, mm. I think that's brilliant though. I think in terms of, you know, having that conversation and then, you know, just, you know, just a few things that she said that just you felt that embodied experience. I mean, that definitely is an indication that there's something there for you to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, that's how it came to me, you know, like I know that sometimes it comes to some people, as I said, you know, through a dark night of the soul sort of moment um, or experience, um, but that, that wasn't, you know, the way that it was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's just been such a beautiful exploration ever since then. So just so wonderful. Yeah. Great. And, um, and so, you know, over the last couple of years, um, something I've noticed is, you know, a lot of people are really stepping into the place of um, priestess roles, holding sacred circles, um, mm. you know, using um, Palo Santo, sage, you know, lots of candles, women coming together, tarot, you know, a lot of these um, types of groups are forming. Why do you think that is? Well, that is a really great question. Again, you're filled with great questions today, Claire, and I'm so appreciative of them. I think it's because we are living in a time where, for starters, the rising of the divine feminine has become something that is deeply important and undeniable in so many ways. Women are taking back the power that they once upon a time knew was theirs, um, are finding out was theirs, uh, and reclaiming that for themselves. And one of the ways that they do that and love to do that is through spiritual leadership. Mm. And so they are just really embracing sides of themselves that maybe they never knew existed, but in fact have existed all along. Mm. It's just that those parts of themselves, you know, were denied and under the patriarchy and so many other things uh, just were quashed and quelled and all of the above Uh, and, you know, really, really understanding now that it's their time to rise and it's their time to reclaim this as part of who they truly are and their, their, their role as sacred leaders in the world. I also think it has to do with the fact that we are all men, women, no matter what gender we identify with really, of course, are searching for meaning beyond our phones, Mm -hmm. beyond computers, Mm. beyond cars and appointments and schedules and money. And we're really searching for in a very modern, fast-paced world a deeper level of being and a deeper level of existence for ourselves. And so often the pathway to that for so many people comes through spiritual connection Mm -hmm. and exploration and adventure of questions such as who am I? Where do I come from? What is the meaning of my life? What does sacredness mean to me? Uh, how can I be a more sacred, giving, beautiful person? All of these sorts of questions and inquiries lead us deeper into our own spiritual self. Mm, that's so true. Um, I really resonate with that. Um, years ago, I was working in a corporate role and um, I didn't feel connected to the the, the job or the position and um, and I found that I 
I'm very, I'm, I'm very much in my feminine and, and the corporate space really jarred with me for a long time and I tried to fit into it. But um, yeah, fitting into that space, it just felt incongruent with who I was. And, and uh, one day while I was at work, it was like an imaginary slap around the face. And the message I got was, what are you doing here? You're not meant to be here. There's more for you than this. And um, it was a really big you know, it, it shook me to the core. Um, and six months later, my husband and I had planned to take a one-way flight to Latin America, pack up all our things and head off. And um, I was asking those exact questions at that time. And I was also asking the questions of, okay, guide me. Where do I need to be? What do I need to do? I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was interesting Whilst I didn't get the specific answers, you know, I was definitely evolving. There was changes happening. And I remember specifically being on the top of mountain tops and just so many messages were coming through. And I remember a really strong message was, you know, why can't women come together and be um, supportive of one another, collaborate with one another rather than see each other from a place of competition? And we had no internet for a year and a half. Well, we had no phone for a year and a half. We had bits and pieces of Wi-Fi. So Mm. we didn't realise that there was a lot of this, um, you know, women coming together in, in circles and things. And it really strikes me now that there is a calling that is happening naturally. It's not that we're all being influenced by one another or it's a there, it feels like there actually really is a calling and there is a rising. And, um, and what I think is brilliant with what you're, um, you know, producing into the world and creating and bringing women together is that it's giving the permission of a lot of other women to start to accept that part of themselves and start to bring it out. Um, rather than this place, like you said, was this kind of denying that part of ourselves. We have that permission to, to open up. And um, I've definitely found in my own life that the more that I do that, the more I feel whole, <laughs> the more yes. I feel um, truly able to be who I am. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that your story and your journey has elements of such connection and similarity, I'm sure, for many women listening. Mm. You know, our spiritual journeys are so personal, but at the same time, so deeply connected. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So um, how do you work with the goddess energy now? Like, do you um, have certain practices that you implement on a daily basis? Um, Yeah. What do you do? Well, I I don't have anything that I, I do on a daily basis because to me, one of the things that I love most about being in my feminine is really flowing and feeling into what I need at any given time. Mm-hmm. And so I must admit I'm not a huge loving fan of structure <laughs> around things like that. And so I just really, um, you know, just really feel into whatever it is that I need on any given day. The way that I work with the goddess has shifted over the years and now I'm really focused on two things. First of all is trying to work more with the goddesses of my own cultural lineage 
um, because I see that as especially important in not engaging in cultural appropriation. Um, for example, I'm not Hindu. And so as much as I absolutely love the Hindu goddesses, especially Goddess Kali, who is so fierce and such a warrior and a fear buster, uh, I'm not Hindu and therefore it's not really appropriate. In fact, it's not appropriate for me to work with her deeply. Mm -hmm. uh, what is appropriate is for me to think about that energy that she has of being a warrior and fearless and a dark goddess and a mother goddess who's so protective and think about, well, what goddess in my own cultural lineage is somewhat equivalent or has that same type of energy. And in the Celtic lineage, for me, that would definitely be the Morrigan. And so that's really important to me. And I'm exploring and feeling into that more and more. The other way that I love to work with the goddess is very definitely um, seasonally. And so uh, at the time of this interview with you, Claire, we've just undergone the uh, autumn equinox here in uh, Australia, in the Southern Hemisphere. It's, of course, the spring equinox um, in the Northern Hemisphere. And coming up very soon in the wheel of the year is the time of Sawen in the Southern Hemisphere, which is traditionally uh, uh, what is known as Halloween from the Northern Hemisphere. And so at the end of next month, um, as we are shifting out beginning to shift out of autumn and into winter, I will deliberately start to tap into the energies of the dark and crone goddesses because winter is coming. It's a time for inwardness and reflection and honouring the beginning of the dark. And so in doing that, I will deliberately look to those types of goddesses with those types of energies to meditate with, to create an altar around, to maybe do some ritual or ceremony that might um, help me really feel into that. Uh, it would, I, I wouldn't love or get a great deal at that time out of working with the spring goddesses or the maiden goddesses, you know. I would want to really tap into that at a seasonal level. And then when it's time to come out into spring, well, then definitely I'd look to work with those goddesses then. And that's something that feels really true and right for me and very honouring of the cycles and seasons of life and my own body and how I'm feeling and the weather and Mother Earth, it all feels just deeply connected for me when I do things that way. Mm, oh, that's really, yeah, that's really nice. And um, do, do you then also change the types of colours of clothing that you wear to also represent that? Do you change the foods that you eat or the activities that you do during those times as well? Look, not consciously, <laughs> to tell you the truth, not consciously. I mean, I definitely change what I eat mm. because I, I think that so many of us now eat seasonally because we understand that it's so beautiful for us to do that. You know, for example, over the last few months of summer, you know, I've been just absolutely loving summer fruit and you know tropical fruit and all that sort of stuff but now that we begin to move into autumn I'm like where's my pumpkin soup yeah you know like pumpkin is about to just in the southern hemisphere it's about to come into 
um, season so beautifully. And I'm going to be looking to roast pumpkin and pumpkin soup and pumpkin risotto and all of the things. And then in winter, we want soups and stews and, you know, all of those kinds of things. So yes, you do eat seasonally, which is you know, very cyclic and in tune with one's body and the earth. Colours, it's interesting, you know, if anybody had ever asked me that a, a while ago, I would have said, no, I don't think that I do that. But actually, I think I might. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, in winter, I do wear darker clothes and colours, but I think so many of us do that. And then in spring, it, we're so much likely and in summer to wear florals and lighter colours. And so even though in many ways we might think to ourselves, oh, that's not that big a deal and it doesn't have to be, it is in many ways as a priestess a reflection of the goddess energy that I'm working with at the time. Yeah, so interesting, isn't it? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there are things that we do gravitate towards just naturally um, and actually, you know, and it's the same with the foods as well. The more that we just sort of, you know, do eat with the seasons and everything, we start to notice that we're craving the foods that actually are a bounty at that time of the year. Mm. And we actually don't have to think too much about it. Naturally, we're drawn to those things. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's another really great question, Claire, that has uncovered another side of this. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And so um, which is the goddess that you most resonate with? Oh, my gosh. This is a very, very hard question. <laughs> this is a very hard question. And you know what? It shifts and changes for me all the time. Uh-huh. Um, at various different times along my goddess journey, um, I have been attracted and loving to work with different goddesses. When I first started out on this path, I was deeply attracted to the goddesses of love. So that is goddesses such as Aphrodite, Venus, Lakshmi, um, and that type of goddess love energy. And the reason that I now know and understand that is because that energy lives very deeply and strongly inside of me. I resonate with those goddesses because their energy of love, acceptance, compassion, beauty, um, femininity is something that comes very naturally and easily to me as a woman. The real challenge for me was when this goddess path and priestess path really drew me into the world of the goddesses that I don't have strongly inside of me. And that's all the death and dark and warrior goddesses. Mm. And that was an interesting year or so of being drawn into that world. That was a year of deep shadow and ego work. And it was hard and challenging at times, but so very worth it. And whenever I know that I'm really struggling with something, I know that they are the goddesses that I need to go to because they're the truth tellers. They are the bullshit slayers. Um, they're the ones that are going to really, really uncover um, parts of yourself that are really raw and you don't necessarily want to acknowledge but you need to to transform to that next level. Mm. Right now at the moment, I don't feel in truth as though there is one particular, well, there is one, but it's um, this twofold. 
one of the goddesses that I'm really loving the energy of at the moment and working deeply with is Mary Magdalene. And she is very prominent in my life at the moment. Um, some people do not recognise her as a goddess because she comes from a Christian faith yeah. um, and is part of that story. I very much see her as that. And she's certainly becoming even more prominent um, in my life at the moment around this time of Easter mm -hmm. and um, everything that she symbolises and represents as a female leader um, in that realm. But really, Claire, at the moment, it's the Celtic goddesses that I'm exploring. I don't have a favourite one just yet. I'm trying to not do that if I can. I'm trying to explore all these beauties from this lineage and just really feeling into their richness, their history, their stories, their energy, and really, really feeling from an ancestral perspective how they all um, sit with me. I know that there are going to be some favourites rise to the top, but right now I'm trying to give them all equal opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Because um, my understanding is that with the goddesses, they connect to just, we connect to all parts of them and they connect to all parts of us. Like it's, yes. it's not that there's one that we, we are like, um, actually it's all parts of ourselves. Is that correct? Well, I think it's different for everybody, but yes, we can certainly see different faces of the goddess reflected in ourselves without question. But I do also think that there are some people that are deeply attracted to one particular goddess yeah. and that she really becomes their home girl in a way. Mm -hmm. And I suppose for me, if I had to say um, that there was one of those for me at the moment, it would be Mary Magdalene. She's been with me now really, really very strongly for almost a year and a half mm. and she's not going anywhere right now. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I just feel into her energy of unconditional love, mm. compassion, forgiveness, leadership, bravery, courage, message um such a, a beautiful strong powerful woman who has um resisted uh being crushed and you know forgotten by the patriarchy for so long mm. um and now is truly being seen for the extraordinary leader that she was and mm. still is great Lovely. Thank you for that. And um, if someone was sitting here listening to this um, podcast and they're thinking, okay, great, I'd love to start connecting with the goddess, but I have no idea where to start. What would be sort of one tip that you would give them to kind of start on that journey? Mm. Do you know, I know that this sounds really boring, but I would probably start with some reading. Mm. Truth be told, I would start with a combination of reading and exploring your own cultural lineage. Um, I have on my uh, blog at my website, Claire, a list of my top 10 goddess books. And so for anyone that is interested in, in just starting your path, um, uh, there are some beautiful and wonderful books that will help you begin there 
And that's where I would suggest that you start. And talking to the women in your family and exploring your own cultural lineage as well um, and finding out, well, what might be the goddesses for me? You know, is it the Greek goddesses or Roman or Mayan or African or Celtic? You know, what could be really good for me to explore here around how I can get in touch with these feminine energies? Mm. Mm, great thank you for those tips now i'll pop the um your blog post and um, details onto the show notes um, wonderful so can connect with that fantastic and um two questions before we finish off this um podcast um what does a whole life mean to you right now oh a whole life to me means that i get to love and lead and spend my time in exactly the way that I want to. It means I get enough rest, enough nourishment, enough love, and also that I'm giving back those things in equal amounts. So there's a wholeness, uh, a symbiotism to that existence that just feels so rich and beautiful. Mm, lovely. Thank you. And um, I know that you've got a number of different things that you're working on at the moment. Um, Julie has a fantastic um, podcast. So if, um, if you want to hear more about um, priestesses and um, the beautiful interviews that she has on there, um, check out her priestess podcast. Um, Julie, what other programs or retreats do you have coming up? Well, one of the most exciting things that I have at the moment is Priestess Temple School with a beautiful fellow priestess, uh, Sora Suyano from the US. And this is our deep offering to the world uh, at the moment to really help support, especially um, those women who are called to the priestess path from the Southern Hemisphere because so many of the offerings that are available to us are from the Northern Hemisphere where they are experiencing different seasons and cycles at any given time than we are. Um, it's actually for both Northern and Southern, but it's particularly important for me to mention the Southern aspect because uh, that is a part that is um, just so often forgotten for all of the women um, down this end of the world. And it's going to be a 14-month journey, um, both online with two retreats, uh, one of them in, uh, on the Mornington Peninsula in Australia, all about earth magic, and the other one, very excitingly, is going to be in Glastonbury in the United Kingdom, um, the home of the Avalon Priestess and all of the magnificent spiritual spots and ley lines around there. It's going to be so special, Claire, and I absolutely cannot wait for that to unfold. We've already got extraordinary women stepping into it um, from all over the world, and we can't wait for more. That sounds so exciting, Julie. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and you've also, um, I know that you've also been running some um, circles and different events as well. Are you going to have more of those coming up? I will. Yeah, there's nothing scheduled at the moment, but they're certainly going to be for sure. Fantastic. And then you also have your Beautiful You Coaching Academy. Yes, absolutely. We are booked out for our courses in February and May, but we're now taking enrolments for October, which is filling up really fast. 
Wonderful. So many incredible offerings. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for this really insightful podcast. I've loved this conversation and wishing you a beautiful rest of the day. Thank you, Claire. Such a joy to be on with you. And that's the end of another episode. I do hope you enjoyed it and gained some new insights. You can find more info about the show and my guests by visiting my website, claire-bradshaw.com or subscribe to iTunes to ensure you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, please give it a rating on iTunes as this makes a huge difference in sharing the podcast and its content with more people. My dream is to create a happier, healthier, more wholesome world. And I truly believe that it starts with ourselves. So thank you for listening and have a beautiful day.